Turn with me this morning to John chapter 4. We're finishing up this chapter. And in our text this morning, Jesus leaves the Samaritan city that he had stopped at, and he finishes his journey to a city called Cana. Cana is in Galilee. Cana is also the city where Jesus had performed his first miracle, turning water into wine. And so, we now read of his return to this city. He had been in Jerusalem, been traveling, stopped in Samaria, in this Samaritan city, then stays there for a couple of days, continues back to Cana and Galilee, and he avoids his hometown, which was Nazareth, which was also in Galilee. So he, he goes back to sort of his home, home country, but not to his home city. While he is in Cana, we read of him performing a second miracle there, healing the son of a royal official. But prior to healing the boy, Jesus rebukes the boy's father and the others of that city and us for our refusal to believe without signs. So once again, what we see in this passage is the question of what it means to believe. Remember John's whole book, is about believing. Every chapter we run into believe, 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 and descriptions of different people believing and different kinds of belief. And so we run into that again this morning. What does it mean to believe? Listen as we read about a man who believed but didn't believe and then believes. Please stand for the reading of God's Word from John chapter 4. We'll be starting in verse 40. Actually, 39. From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, He told me all the things that I have done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. After the two days, he went forth from there into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him having seen all the things that he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they themselves also went to the feast. Therefore he came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a royal official whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and was imploring him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, 
Unless you people see signs and wonders, you simply will not believe. The royal official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son lives. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and started off. As he was now going down, his slaves met him, saying that his son was living. So he inquired of them the hour when he began to get better. Then they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at that hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed, and his whole household. This is again a second sign that Jesus performed when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. It's possible to believe the signs that Jesus performed. It's possible to believe in the power that he has, and yet to not put your trust in him as Savior. To not believe the way John wants us to. Remember his goal, as he says at the end of this book, is that we would believe, and believing that we would have life in his name, in Jesus' name. This type of belief that the royal official has at the start, and that we are all tempted towards, is not the belief that the Samaritans just demonstrated, I went back a little bit earlier and read about the Samaritans so that we could see the contrast between the people of the city in Samaria who said, we believe that this is the Savior of the world. And they said that based on his words. Okay, And then that's contrasted with immediately him going into Galilee, to Cana. And what we find there is Jesus saying to them, you won't believe unless there are signs and wonders. And yet, even those signs and wonders, we see that here is this man. This man believes that Jesus has the power to heal his son, or he wouldn't have traveled down to come and ask him to come save his son, right? So what's the point? Well, he believed that Jesus could heal his son, but Jesus rebukes him for not believing. I've hit this theme a number of times as we've been preaching through John's, that it's not, it's not enough that we believe in this limited way that Jesus was a man, that he really lived a couple thousand years ago, that he really did some amazing, miraculous things. John isn't content with us believing in that way. And we must not be content with believing in that limited way ourselves. Or content with others believing in that limited way. The signs that Jesus performed demonstrate the truth of his claim to be the Savior. 
Okay? What do the signs demonstrate? They demonstrate, here is a man who is blessed of God. Here is a man who has miraculous powers. These miraculous powers prove, they testify to the truth of what he is saying. So what's more important? The signs, or what the signs point to? It's more important the truth of what the, of what the signs testify about, right? The point isn't that we be healed of our physical infirmities. The point isn't that we believe that we could be healed of our physical infirmities. The point is that when we see Jesus is able to heal sickness, physical infirmities, these sorts of things, that that points to the truth of his claims. It proves the truth of his claims. And his claim is that he is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Believing the one without believing the other is useless and crazy. Because why would you believe that he is able to do these miracles and yet not realize that the whole point of those miracles is to demonstrate the truth of his claim? And yet, so often what we want is we want some sort of indication for ourselves. Some sort of sign, you understand. We want something that we can look to to prove it for ourselves. What we want to do is we want to set up our own test for God to guarantee that his promises are true. God has given signs to prove that his promises are true, and yet we want to set up our own test. We want to have our own special sign that we're going to figure out, well, okay, if God does this, then I'll know that that his promises are true. Now you say, well, I don't want to do that. And I say, okay, well, bear with me for a little bit. Let me, let me try to show you how we do this, okay? One of the ways that we try to do it is by bargaining with God. We're praying. We say, Father, if you will do this, then I will do that, right? If you will simply help this meeting to go well that I'm absolutely terrified about, then I will, I'll never never doubt again that you'll bring me through all of of the the difficulties that I'm going to face in my life. Well, what is that? That is a statement that if God gives you a sign, you will believe the truth of his promises. Right? Right? Now think about this man who's traveling on the road. Uh, you can think, you, you can imagine, he's got a journey from one city to the other. His son is desperately sick, dying behind him. He's trying to get down there quickly, get Jesus, bring him back so that Jesus will heal his son. And you can imagine, he's going clearly because he knows Jesus is able to heal his son, right? He had heard and seen the things that Jesus had done, and so... 
he, he undertakes this journey because he believes Jesus is capable. And yet by Jesus' rebuke, you simply will not, you plural, okay, but he's speaking to the man. You simply will not believe unless you have signs and wonders. But so, so what is he thinking on the road? I know what I would be thinking. It, it, it appears that he's thinking, if Jesus saves my son, then I'll know he's the Messiah. If Jesus saves my son, then I'm going to follow him. There won't be any question left in my mind. I'll follow him. Well, the sign that Jesus performs is a healing of his son. And in fact, the man does believe at that point, right? And his whole household with him. And so, this makes sense. He says, if Jesus heals, then I'll believe. Jesus heals, then he believes. And in a sense, we say, well, this is exactly what the signs are supposed to do, right? to demonstrate the power of God and the truthfulness of Jesus' claims, and therefore we ought to see them and then believe. But take a step back for a second. The man already knew that Jesus was capable of healing his son. The man already knew the truth of Jesus' claims. And yet he's hesitating to give himself wholeheartedly to following Jesus, isn't he? Now, do we see ourselves in this, in this man? We should. We should see ourselves in this man. We should see ourselves in the rest of the people of Galilee. What do we see? Well, what we see is people who want their own particular special proof before we will really believe. Now this is not limited to people who are uh, outside the church. But let's start outside the church. I assume you've had conversations with people where you've talked about God and you've, you've had people bring up objections. If you've ever had these kinds of conversations, what you'll know is that often the objections that are raised are related to the fact that God hasn't made it clear enough. Well, why doesn't he just speak from heaven? If he did that, then I would believe. Then I would know to believe, right? These are the sorts of objections, you, you know, it may be, you know, they'll complain about the fact that, that his word was written down in a book instead of delivered directly to the individual, right? Now, let me just take a brief sidetrack here and say, there's a great, easy response for that when somebody says, well, you know, Jesus, I mean, God, God, if he wanted me to believe, why didn't he send a messenger instead of 
writing down this book? Why doesn't he speak himself? You know what you should say at that point. What you say is, here I am. I am the messenger. He sent me. You shouldn't have any doubt or fear in saying that. Because if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have believed and have life in his name, you are his ambassador. You are a messenger. You bear with you at all times the message of hope. This is why we're commanded not to ever uh, be ashamed of the gospel and why we're commanded to always be ready to give an account, a defense of the hope that is within us. You're the messenger. So when people say, well, what I need is a messenger, you say, here I am, I'm the messenger. Well, when I need a message from God, I have the message from God. It's right here. Let me tell you about it. But in order for you to do that, you have to believe. You have to believe that his word is true. You have to believe that his word is powerful. You have to believe that his word will never go out and return void. And so now I turn to us and I say, okay, now you're having these kinds of conversations, Lord willing. If you're not, you need to start having these kinds of conversations. You're having these kinds of conversations with people where you're talking about real things, where God is brought up, okay? And people start objecting. And what do you want? Well, what you want is a sign. A sign that you should speak up. Don't you? We want our own special sign that these things are true, that, that, that it is worth us speaking. We want our own special sign that, that God will protect us and bring us through persecution that comes from testifying to his name. Isn't that what we want? Just like this royal official, we want our own special sign. Now, here's the beauty. Jesus does not leave us with this rebuke. Unless you see signs and wonders, you simply won't believe. And that's the end. No, he doesn't leave us there. He does much more than what the royal official is asking. He goes much further in giving a sign, in performing a wonder. Jesus doesn't just do what the man wants. He does much better than what the man wants. The boy's father, the royal official, expected that Jesus had to come to his boy to heal him. Instead, what does Jesus do? Jesus heals him right then and there without leaving. 
He heals the man's son and sends the man back to his son. Now, if you think about it, this isn't the only time that Jesus outperformed the sign that was demanded of him. This is somewhat of a regular occurrence with Jesus. Showing that even the signs that we want are pathetic compared to what he can do. And to what he does do. That even the things that we ask for from him are small compared to with what he is willing to give us. So where else do we see Jesus outperforming our expectations? Outperforming the requests that are made of him, the demands for a sign. In Matthew 27, 42, Jesus is on the cross and he's being mocked. And the people say, he saved others. He cannot save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him now come down from the cross and we will believe in him. And yet Jesus doesn't come down from the cross, does he? He does one better. Way better. He stays on the cross all the way through death, and then he comes back. He's raised again. How much greater of a sign is that than bringing himself down from the cross alive? It's infinitely greater of a sign. It's infinitely more amazing of a wonder, is it not? And yet, the outcome is that there are two groups of people. Not everybody believes, do they? There are those who believe and there are those who reject this greater, far greater wonder that Jesus performs. There's no lack of signs. There's no lack of wonders. Will we believe? Will you believe? The man, the royal official that came to Jesus, Jesus says to him, Go, your son lives. Now at that moment, the man is faced with a choice. Will he believe or will he disbelieve? Are you with me? He's got a choice there. The sign has been performed. But what? but the man hasn't seen it. The boy has been healed, but the man has to leave and go home believing that Jesus' promise is true simply based on his word. Are you tracking? This isn't, this isn't at all what we want the outcome to be when we make these requests for signs, is it? We have to have faith. Even when he grants signs. And the Lord is gracious and does give us signs. 
He gives us signs that we're not even asking for. He performs wonders daily. When you look at creation, it is always a wonder. It is always a sign. Believe. Worship Him and Him alone. I think of the passage that we read back in Genesis. Abraham's servant. And he wants a sign, right? But what kind of a sign does he want? Not a sign in order to believe. He believes. And that's why he turns to God and he's looking for a sign for what he should do. I believe, Lord. Now what should I do? Will we believe? And then obey according to the signs. I think of the times that I've prayed that God would give me the opportunity to have conversation with somebody to share the good news of hope in Jesus Christ, to proclaim the gospel to someone who does not know, who does not believe. And then God answers my prayer. He gives me an opportunity. But what? But I don't want to. I don't want to believe that this is the sign. That my, that my, I don't even want to believe that my prayer has been answered. Why? Well, because that requires me then to obey. It's just further proof of the necessity of my living by faith and obedience. And so much of the time, I'm just... Even though I prayed... I don't want to. Isn't that the way it is with us? We pray that God will help us obey, and then we don't want to. We pray that God will give us opportunities to do his will, and then the chance comes, and we don't want to. And so here's this man. This man is faced with that choice. Jesus is not coming with me. He's not giving me what I wanted it to look like. I wanted him to come back to my house and heal my son. I wanted it to be that the person that I would talk to would simply ask me, hey, do you know how I can get to heaven? Or something like that. You understand? Like, I have this picture in my mind of what it will look like when God answers my prayer. This man has a picture in his mind of what it will look like. His expectation, his hope is that Jesus will perform in this particular way. And yet Jesus goes beyond and in a different manner than he wants and that he hopes. And it requires what? It requires that the man then obey by faith. Believing his word. Now here we have 
God's word. There's no lack of signs and wonders in the word. But what I want to say to you this morning is, there's also no lack of signs and wonders in your life. Must the Lord perform a miracle? and give us a political victory before we will believe that he's sovereign in ruling this nation. Do you understand that that temptation? Are we going to trust God? Are we going to trust God with our city? Are we going to trust God with our family? Are we going to trust God with this nation? Are we going to trust God with the future of our children? knowing that this is the nation that they're from, that they're likely to live in, right? Okay, so here's the future. You're looking forward and you know God is in control, and yet will you trust him? Will you believe that he is truly in control? Or are you going to demand a sign? Lord, give us the perfect president. Then I'll believe that everything will be okay for the future. Lord, give us the perfect new chief justice, then I'll be okay, then I'll believe that you're in charge and that everything's copacetic. Or are we going to believe his word? That he establishes nations and that he brings them down to the dirt. That he appoints rulers and brings them down. That he gives children and blessings to his people. And that he draws them to himself. In other words, do you have to have the nice, easy, guaranteed life as the sign before you'll believe that God is good? Before you'll believe that his plan is good? Or will you believe, like this royal official, on the basis of his word and then go? Go out in faith. Must God give you something you greatly desire before you will trust in him? Don't set up that bargain. Don't set up that test. Hear his word. Hear his promises. And then go out by faith. Looking for the sign. looking for the answer. God is gracious, and he answers our prayers. But when we're we're tempted to believe that God has to give us the, the thing, the one thing that we want, and we're, we're tempted to start bargaining with him for that. 
nothing. Lord, if you'll just guarantee that my children won't be persecuted to beyond this point. I mean, I know we have to have persecution and all, but I don't want it to go past this point. If, if you could just promise me that it won't go past this point, then I'll devote my children wholly unto you, Lord. Or if you could just provide me this amount of money, such that I can be secure in knowing that there will always be enough food for my family and that they'll always have a roof over them. If you, just, if you could just give me some sort of guarantee that there will always be this level of provision for us, then I'll trust you wholly with my entire heart, with my money and my finances. You see the if-thens that we want to set up, right? If only, God, you will do this, then I will obey you. Then I will believe your promises. But the real question is... Will you believe even with his signs? I know of a man who was lying in bed in the middle of the night, and he asked God for a sign that he exists. And immediately there was an earthquake. doesn't get much more obvious than that, right? Can you imagine that? And yet what I don't know is whether this man actually believes. I don't know the end of the story. (laughs) Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. The point is, It's perfectly possible for God to give you the signs that you ask for and yet to still refuse to believe. This royal official, this man lying there, knew that that God existed. (laughs) He knew that God was real, that God could give him a sign, that God is in charge. That's why he asks God. God, would you please give me a sign that you exist? I know you exist. That's why I'm asking you to give me a sign that you exist. And God gives him a sign. Yes, in fact, you're right. I do exist. Here's an earthquake for you. The royal official knew what Jesus could do. And then he believes that Jesus is able to accomplish this for him, saving his son. And then he's given the sign, and it's after that that he believes, together with his family, in Jesus Christ, the way that John is pushing us to believe, that he's our only hope. In other words, now no longer is this man's hope, this man's number one desire that his son would live. 
Now this man and his whole family, their number one hope and their number one desire and the thing that they won't do without is Jesus Christ. Do you see the change that's taken place? God was so gracious to him. Has God been gracious to you? Has he given you many gifts that you don't deserve? Has he answered your prayers in spite of your sin in asking? Has he given you signs even though you didn't need any signs? Has has he then given you more signs because you refused to believe the first signs? He's very gracious. He's given us Let's believe. Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the only Savior of the world. Believe that that is your only hope. The one thing that you can't and won't do without. The signs are there. The wonders are there. Go outside and look at the snow. Look at a little snowflake. And then look up at the stars. Then look at your family. Look at the gifts that he's given you. And believe. Let's pray.